Welcome to another amazing episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we're going to learn to become profitable as filmmakers. What's going on, guys? Another week, another live. This time, we're bringing on Cole Walliser. I mean, what, what a cool last name, but not as cool as his hair. We're going to be talking about Red Komodo and his experience with it. He's one of those people that got his hands on it, like, you know, as soon as they, you know, started the buzz about Red Komodo and all that. So we're going to be jumping in. Guys, you got to go follow him. Like, just type in Cole and he's going to pop up, okay? He's freaking huge. Okay, I see him. I'm going to bring him on. Hey. What's going on, brother? What's up, dude? Welcome, brother. So excited to have you. And yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Dude, it's so crazy that yesterday I got a DM and my cousin is like, Hey, you know, brother, I don't know much about color grading or anything, but I saw that you're going live with Cole and, you know, I know him from TikTok and I'm just like, you know, that somebody is a real deal when like my cousin is like, she's barely ever on social media and she's like, yeah. I know this guy. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, damn, man, I wish I can get there one day. I love it. I love it. It's just, it's pretty, that's all pretty recent for me, which is really, it's really been a fun adventure this past year of like focusing on social, but uh, I welcome it. I, I love it. It's great. Dude, it's so crazy. Like I want to like I was talking to my wife last night and I'm like Cole is one of those guys that when I go on his TikTok I end up spending half an hour. When I go on his stories, I got to watch all the stories. Usually you're like tap 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 like you know you want to you want to tell yeah. your friends that hey, I'm supporting you but you just like click 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 get out of it like with yours, you know, I'm just on it and I'm like I'm like I got to talk to him and I got to ask him because that's like one of my weakest points like just just mm -hmm. to be effortless with content creation. I feel like going to film school and like learning the traditional way kind of crippled me in a way that I got to have a jib arm and I got to have my shot list and I got to have all that. And I see, yeah, yeah. and I see what you do. And I'm like, I just got to ask, like what goes through your head when I, you're just, I, I have two, I have two thoughts on that because I thought about it extensively. And so I think that uh, with what you said about like, you know, having all these things, like, as far as like the way, you know, we're used to making films. The thing I like about stories, well, I should put it this way. So the effortlessness, right? I, that had to be a goal for me because I was like, if this, if creating content takes any effort, I'm not going to do it. So I have to find a way to like make it easy and fun and like I can produce it at a high level and not like high quality necessarily, but like high entertainment or at least I'm giving value in something. So I think for me, the idea of that was to just not be so precious of it. Like I really tried to dig into like what I liked about watching other people. And like, there's people that like don't do anything per se, but they're interesting. They're entertaining. Yes. I'm like, what do they, what are they doing? Cause I'm like, I do something. I'm a director. I make films. I do this thing. But I was like, I also like watching people who sort of quote unquote do nothing. And I'm like, well, like why, like what do they, what are they offering that is keeping me entertained? And right. so I tried to tap into that a little bit. And then the thing about like filmmaking, the reason why I like stories so much is that I realized that it's writing, directing, and editing in one motion. Because you're deciding what you're going to do that's writing, you're directing it, you're figuring out how to shoot it, and then you're editing it all in like one button in one motion. So I was like, that's a cool way to make content and to tell a little story. And so I started looking at it from that lens. Um, and then also the non-preciousness and like just trying to tell some sort of a narrative in, in the day. And it's like, half of my story is about making coffee, but I try to like make a little story out of it uh, to keep it as entertaining as possible, you know? Dude, it's so crazy. Like, like I said, I mean, literally last night we're talking and I'm like, I'm so jealous of somebody like Cole that where he just can pick up the camera and shoot something and you would want to watch. Whereas here I am like with my shot list before I do, <laughs> you know, like my quick little IG reel. And I'm like, it's got to be perfect that I'm bringing it into resolve. And I'm, I'm like, dude, I know I'm doing it wrong. You're not supposed to do it this way. But I guess it's better to just do it than not do it at all. I don't know. It's, it's better to do it than to not do it at all. But I think that like, you know, like you're also like, I think you're sort of looking at it from two different sides. Like you're also producing really high quality content that like looks great, sounds great, feels great. So it's like, I wouldn't knock your effort. It's worth it. You know what I mean? Like Appreciate even it. the real of you opening the panel, I was like, oh, this is dope. I was like, he thought about this. So like, this yeah. is really well done. And it was fun. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, 
and so there's like there's pros and cons you know what i mean like you sacrifice uh quality for volume and it's like there's no way unless you have a team unless you're will smith with a bunch of people yeah. like there's no way you're doing high quality high volume you're it's like we're all just running it ourselves right mm. so but i really a, like what you but i really like what you said that you know you, you do it you do it constantly that you get to a point that even if it's like look like you're doing nothing it's entertaining and then at the same time it's bringing value right like i mean yeah. even just like watching you make coffee you know and just like how many different ways he can do it inspired me that i'm like you know what i want to do one of these like i i want to try it so like you ins oh, yeah. you're inspiring people directly indirectly that we're just like we want to give this a shot and then if tomorrow yeah. i do it and it works out now i'm like getting it you know what i mean like so you you put me on track so let's let's take you back let's do a quick like bullet point backstory and just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah absolutely so i'm from vancouver canada originally um i've always sort of had a camera in my hand uh started filming i used to skateboard and snowboard so we used to make sponsor me videos and it's actually sponsored skateboarder for a while growing up um and that's how i got a camera in my hand just shooting stuff and people always tended to hand me the camera a lot like hey you know how to like shoot cool stuff and i was like i guess yeah and so i would just start to experiment with like how moving the camera in different ways would affect like a skateboarding shot from there i got into editing and then i just sort of like loved creating stuff and it was kind of off to the races i bought a mac and a panasonic dvx uh 100 back in the day yes and editing i know stuff it and yeah Yeah, the 24 frames like back in the day was like the most Yes. Yes, dude, um, like progressive 24 frames, you know what I mean? Yeah, Not interlaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then uh and then I guess when I decided that I was like, "Oh, I want to do this as a career." I was like, "I got to move to LA." Because at the time there was no social, you know what I mean? There was no like YouTube just came out, but it right. wasn't anything, you know what I mean? And so you really had to be in LA at that time, and so I moved out here uh, and started just growing the career from there. And it's been a a fun adventure. And, I, and it led me into like doing a lot of music stuff, a lot of beauty stuff, like I've directed videos for Katy Perry, oh, wow. Tinashe, Cher. I worked like a ton in female pop star world, um which is great. And then That's that amazing. led me to do to get asked to direct The Glambot, which is a sort of combination of like movement and beauty in this live environment and that's the thing that probably most people know me for. Dude, such a crazy skill. You know what I mean because I remember back in 2010 I had just moved here. in February and in March I'm shooting a wedding for this guy who does high-end weddings and I go to uh Beverly Hills hotel and uh you know I valet my park and I'm uh, my car and I'm walking in and I see Russell Crowe you know comes out of the freaking uh, lobby and he's going for a jog and you know I'm like you know gladiator like I'm I'm you know American gangster like I'm all about it so I'm like I just turn around and I froze like nothing could uh -huh. come out of my mouth and I'm like what you know and then i see you just like hugging lady gaga and just like chilling over there i'm like dude i got to ask him like give us some tips on how to do that because once you learn how to break that ice and have that certain confidence it can go a long way it could be applicable to like you know applying for a job anything you know yeah i mean i i definitely you know like it's it's sort of weird because like when you meet them in that environment like i've definitely ran into celebrities that i hadn't worked with before and i was like oh geez, like you're this like i remember i was i, I unknowingly was standing next to eddie murphy at coffee bean like in the valley <laughs> like so you know you order your coffee and then you stand at the end of this coffee bean and there's nowhere to go you're like in this corner mm -hmm. and i'm like order and i go walk over then i'm like waiting waiting and then it's like i just notice there's a guy next to me and i look and i sort of look and i'm like oh geez, like that's eddie murphy and i'm so self-conscious i'm like I'm standing next to Eddie Murphy. Nobody's right. He has to like pass me to get out of here. Oh my start, god! Like, freaking out. But it's like the context in which you meet people um, has a big impact on how you're acting, of course, because it's like in that case, I'm like, if I say anything, I feel like I'm bothering him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. with the Glambot, and I think my experience with sort of higher level talent came from opportunities I had in directing, where it's like, okay, I had the opportunity. Like I did uh, work with Miley Cyrus early in my career. And that was a cool fun learning experience because we actually ended up shooting a bunch of different celebrities and so I would get introduced to them through her with the intent that like oh I'm here to like tell you what to do and so of course super nervous early in my career but you get used to the idea of like oh we're here together to make a thing. Yes. And being on that sort of like level playing field um really helps in having confidence. Now I think just like you know because obviously not everybody uh can have that opportunity to be to direct sort of an A-lister but I think there's something 
to be said about the idea of like approaching someone just sort of as a as a person slash equal even if it's like you're approaching someone like eddie murphy at a coffee shop you're still just like two people standing in a coffee shop so if the context of the conversation stays within that world it's like you can have that conversation fully confidently. Yes. Like if you've ever talked to anybody in a coffee shop, you could in theory talk to Eddie Murphy the same way. Yes. Except that like sort of shut off the idea of like, oh, I watched you my entire life growing up um, and say something that's relevant to the moment, I guess. So I think it's just sort of about how you view things because, you know, like your instance with Russell Crowe, you're like, oh, I'm here to shoot a wedding. This guy's the biggest film, yes. film star at the time. You're like, I can't talk yes. to him. This you is what, what was going through my head. Yep. Yeah, and so I think it's like a, a large part of it is just sort of like doing your best to block that stuff out yeah. uh, and, and think about, I guess, I guess my advice would be think about how you can connect to someone in the environment that you're in, right? Uh, be it two people standing outside a hotel, two people in a coffee shop, or like on set. That helps just to dispel the, the, the flusteredness that you originally feel, you know what I mean, when you first run into someone like that. Dude. So moving from you seeing Eddie Murphy to like when people see you, I'm sure people recognize you. So, I mean, how is that? Like, do you get excited? Are you bothered? I get, like, I get super excited and I'm honored. It's really, really cool. I think I'm uh, like, I, I get recognized. Uh, I mean, it's often because I've never been recognized before. So anytime it happens, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I think it's like happens a lot because it's like I, because of my hair really yeah, it's yeah. such an identifiable yeah. thing yeah i love it if, if it's out like if my hair is out and down and, and i'm and i'm like out in public it happens way more often if i have it up like i think yeah. people are like oh is that the guy but like you yeah. see the hair you're like well there's nobody else like right right the guy <laughs> you know what i mean and so i think people are a lot more confident coming up to me and saying something because they're very confident that i'm the the glam bot guy or whatever right yeah 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 but I love it. I think it's so cool. And that's the cool thing about social is that you get to meet and interact with people that you otherwise never would have. You know what I mean? Like, I would have never have known who you were unless, you know, I, I found you, I needed a colorist and I just was like asking for referrals. And like, that could happen. But right. it's like, I'm out there, you know, looking for information about, about uh, Resolve and colorists. And I come on your page and like, you're out there putting out content. So like, it's a very organic way to align our interests and become connected, which is super cool. Dude, it's um, it's out yeah. of control because it's like just, you know, watching your stuff. And I keep forgetting that I don't know if we did voice messages or not. I know I sent you voice messages. I don't know if you sent me voice messages uh -huh. back or not. But just thinking of you, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I know, Cole. And that's yeah. all because of social media. And that's one of those things that I keep telling people that I think we're still kind of stuck in the middle, you know, there's a lot of like professionals that are, you know, social is kind of beneath them and they don't want to go on it. And and it goes back to, I feel like what Gary V says that nobody likes to start from the bottom. So the biggest curse is that if you're like a, a hundred K range, like editor, then you're like, I got zero, you know, clout on Instagram. I don't want to go there and start something, you know, over because I just don't know the first thing about it. And my daughter has like 3000 followers and I have none. Like, I just don't want yeah. to do it. And I feel like people just need to kind of, you know, uh, just be humble and kind of jump into it because you just don't understand the kind of opportunities that are just right there, right in front of you. You know, like you knowing me, I discovering like the both ways. Right. And it's just out of control that now we're having this conversation. It's like and then talking about the confidence, why it's so important is that you just have to go out and ask, you know what I mean? And if I was like starstruck when you, you know, tagged me or whatever, and I would have been like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I just picked up my phone and I'm like, dude, like, let's freaking go live. Let's do this. Yeah. And then I asked, what's the yeah. worst that's going to happen? You're going to be like, dude, I don't really do that. Like, love you, but you know, don't really do that. I'll be like, dude, I totally understand. It's totally fine. But boom, like worked out. I watched Joker. I came home. I messaged, like, voice message Jill Bogdanovich. And I'm like, my mind is blowing, blah, blah, blah. Like, this movie is crazy. And I gave her X, Y, Z of, like, my thought on the color. And the next thing you know, you know, we start following each other. And then a couple of months later, like, she comes on, like, you know, on my live. And it's like, you just got to, it's just there, you know. And social lets you do that because there's literally no middleman. Middleman is the worst thing that happened to planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's so much access now. It's like, it, it, you know, in all the movies you saw growing up, you're like, oh, I wish I could ask the filmmaker a question. I wish I could ask, you know, the AD a question. Like, what was it like on that set? And it's like, now it's like you could just look them up and shoot them a message. And most of the time you get a response, which is like, 
unprecedented. And I think that there's so much, as you're saying, so much opportunity with that access that people are just starting now to like realize and take advantage of, you know what I mean? Yes, brother, let me ask you this. So between production and post, what do you enjoy more? Actually, let's let's throw pre-production in there too. So throughout the entire process, like what's oh, your favorite pre-production is never fun. Pre-production is the worst part. So we can just knock that out. All right, all right. That's, that's, never, that. that's like stressful and never fun. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, I think I thrive in production because it's like this high frenetic environment and you always got to be on. And I think my sort of personality kind of lends itself to that. And I think that's, I think it's probably even been honed even more with doing the Glambot, which is such a high pressure live production environment. Um, but even prior to that for like, you know, bigger shoots is like, or you're always nervous, but it's like those days end up being like exhausting, but fun and really rewarding. Yes. I, I just, it just feels like a natural environment for me, even though it's like exhausting and just crazy. Um, and then post, like I actually started as an editor. So I started, like, I always love the process of post because that's when you really see what you have, have shot come together. And you like, you know, there, there's no other feeling than seeing like two shots you took and you yes. cut them together seamlessly. And you're like, oh, like this, yes. is, like this is the most amazing thing ever. You know what I mean? So I like, Post is more exhausting, but yes. potentially more rewarding because you get the thing you set out to do. But it's a long process and a lot of hours either giving notes or sitting at a computer. So I don't love that part, but it is where you see what you made, which is why you set out to do it, right? Dude, it's such a high. Like, I mean, I, I love shooting, but I think like for shooting, I'm always just kind of resentful because I'm like, I need more people. Like, I don't sure. want to be the grip and the gaffer and the best, but I don't want to be all those things. I just need bodies, you know, and I can't just like casually have like four posses just like hanging out, you know, like, yeah. you know, all the time. So then for editing, it's just one of those like where I got my cup of coffee and I'm like, yes, like I'm just going to be here for the next 18 hours if I need to be to like get something, you know, make something happen. All right, brother, I want to jump into uh, the little boy that's sitting right behind you. So let's talk about it. And, and I don't know what you can or can't share, but just, you know, people are going crazy, right? I mean, like Komodo, Red oh, Komodo, yeah. Red There's Komodo. No, so I, can share, I can share all of my thoughts. There's no uh, embargo on anything. So, so I can just talk about, talk about it all. Yes, let's start from day one. I remember you opening it up. I remember those stories like it was yesterday. So let's take us through that to like your experience. And, and you know, after hopefully your post like honeymoon phase. So just talk about all the things. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'll give a little bit of context. Like I, you know, I've been a director in LA for like 10 years, I guess, sort of like predominantly directing in 2010. And I've always been on the cusp of buying a cinema camera, like always like, ah, should I pull the trigger? You know, four years ago, I was like, oh, should I buy an Alexa? I was shooting a bunch of CoverGirl stuff and we were using the Alexa and I was like, should I buy one? Like we were renting all the time. I was like, should I buy one? I didn't pull the trigger, kind of regretted it. Then a couple years ago when the Gemini came out, I was like, oh, maybe I should jump to red. Like mm -hmm. Gemini is like really good sensor, getting more affordable. You know, maybe I should, and I didn't pull the trigger. And then so finally now uh, with this Komodo, it's like the body is so inexpensive. You know what I mean? It's like six or $7,000, but it's like the problem is all the accessories and the ancillaries and lenses and batteries and like everything, you know, it, right. it adds up really quick. And that's sort of like, oh geez, like that's still quite an expense. But I, I finally, and it was sort of driven by this pandemic that we're in, because I'm like, okay, what, as we're coming out of this, I don't anticipate us going back to like, oh, like here's 30 person crew or here's yes. like even 10 or 15 people. It's like, at first it might be kind of like smaller crews. And if I can double as director NDP with my own camera, I don't need to go to rental house. I think I'll so be smart. in a better situation um, to start working. And then and that was just enough. Like, I always wanted one anyways. That was just enough to make me go, like, all right, now's the time. Spending a bunch of money during a pandemic while you're not working, not the best idea. But um, I think it sets me up to just be creative. And I'm super excited to have access to my own camera all the time. And I can go shoot, right? So that's super exciting. Opening it up, I mean, so I guess the other thing, too, is that because I've never owned a RED, like, I've never run through the RED workflow. So this is all super new to me. You know what I mean? Like, I've edited RED footage on things but like you're always like half figuring it out and just kind of doing your best and then if it's for like a real thing we're at a post house and they're dealing with it i'm not worried about it right? right um but like i'm so surprised at how small it is and like just how good the sensor is in comparison now i haven't done any like heads up testing shooting with other cameras 
but I've watched a ton of stuff where people have like a Komodo and a Gemini and a Helium and they're doing side by sides. And you're like, oh, it's really holding up with like the noise and even just like the dynamic range. It's really quite impressive. I think global shutter on the camera is like, is That's the coolest massive. thing ever. Cause it's like rolling shutter is the worst. Right. Uh, any kind of jello-y footage is no bueno. So that's like, you know, you're getting kind of like more camera for a smaller price, right. smaller body, super low power draw. So I'm like really, really impressed with it overall. I don't think the honeymoon phase has started because I've been fraught with issues with both my computer and the camera itself. So I haven't like, I haven't even really been able to dig into editing the footage because I've been literally for the past month, I've been sending my computer back and forth oh, to Apple man. and I currently don't have it. And I'm just like, I can't even like look at the footage. I can't even like really dig in. So mm. I'm excited to get it all back and I can actually start because I feel like that'll be much more exciting for me to actually get getting into it and actually using the camera. Yeah, let's do this. I've seen some footage on YouTube too, and I was like blown away by the dynamic range. I mean, it's it's really like bred from the same DNA, which is amazing. Um, I do want to talk about like, did you try to use the autofocus? What do you think of it? I don't have any Canon RF glass, okay. so I haven't used it yet. Um, I've basically just been like looking at footage and, and it seems like it's pretty good. I think my use for it might be to get like a wider um, RF, lens like a canon rf lens and use it for like gimbal work so you can just throw mm -hmm. af on and run around with a gimbal and be super nimble and light and have it be in theory sharp um so yeah i haven't had a chance to test that but word is it's it's pretty good yeah let me ask you about somebody somebody actually asked like i don't know if it was a joke if it was a real thing but could be a real thing but they were like mm -hmm. komodo or pocket 6k did you use pocket 6k I never shot on those cameras. Um, so prior to this, for like my own, any kind of like fun, silly shoot, I, I've been on the Sony platform for a while. So I had a A7S, I had A7S, A7S II, A7R II, A7III, um, and I have a bunch of Sony glass. So that's always been my camera to just run around and like shoot some fun stuff with. I've heard great things, but I, I've never been able to compare it uh, so I, I, I don't know, unfortunately, but I hear it's great. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to, let's just switch gears a little bit. And I do want to talk about, there's so much content that you're creating, right? Like it's for TikTok, you know, <laughs> you know, Instagram, you put out videos on YouTube. So one, do you have help Two, if not, or even if you do have help, like, let's kind of take us through like your routine, your day to, to stay productive, as productive as you are. And then you have like E, you know, working for them, like all of that. So how are you managing it? What are some of the hacks that you can share that can help people? Yeah, absolutely. So I recently started, actually, I guess I've kind of had help making content, mostly just for YouTube, simply because like, YouTube content just takes a lot of time to create. So like all of the content that I put out on Insta, like other socials, so like Instagram, TikTok, uh, and even Facebook, I predominantly shoot, edit, create all that myself. For YouTube, like for vlogs and stuff, I basically outsource that to an editor. And it's usually someone that I'm working with that uh, has a skill set like mine that knows how to shoot, knows how to edit. And, and it's a, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm paying them, but it's like a, a good dynamic where like I'm providing experience, knowledge, and like, like sort of mentoring them. Yeah. Um, and that's, so that's like adding value to the relationship. Cause it's like, I can't pay like full salary right. for my YouTube content, but I, you know, I'm of course I am paying them. So right now yeah. I'm working with this guy, Mark Hendry, who I met on my friend's music video shoot. Um, he was directing a video of this guy, Derek Pike for Wiz Khalifa, where he cast yes. me as a teacher. <laughs> and I was like, I was in a scene as like this, this like teacher that gets, yes. gets yelled at by the students. Uh, and so this guy, Mark, was shooting BTS. We met. I brought him on to shoot BTS for a couple shoots earlier before the pandemic uh, got along. And so now, basically since the pandemic, and he's not working that much, and I'm trying to make content, so I'm paying him to edit uh, my YouTube content, essentially. Um, and he's been super helpful. And so the vlogs and stuff, you know, he cuts all that. I give him notes, and it's great. As far as tips to stay productive, like my day, like I definitely, I put everything in my schedule. So when I like on my, like I use iCal on, on Apple and yeah. it's like, it's all color coded and like, even like rest and breaks and social stuff is oh, in there. It. Now I might not necessarily adhere to it, right. but uh, it's in there and it's sort of scheduled. Um, and that really helps me just 
be able to keep a tally on what I need to get done for the day. And then also like able to just move stuff around as I need to. Um, but yeah. And, and, and the thing that helps me is like, I, I basically have blocks that just say content. So like I'll have an hour and it's like, it's just content. So whatever I need to do, if I need to like go through some photos to post on Instagram, if I need to spend an hour or two cutting a glam bot, um, you know, if I need to like, the bane of my existence is making thumbnails for YouTube. So I need to do that. Like I need to set time aside to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will. And yeah, that's kind of like, you know, just having a schedule has been really beneficial. Getting up early really helps uh, and just getting to work. I'm far more productive from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. than I am from like 9, 9 p.m. to midnight. Okay. So like I'd rather use that time to be productive because like I'm not working as hard uh, as I am in the morning as I am at night. So I'll go to bed early and I'll wake up early and I'll get to work. Yep. I mean, that's one thing that I've noticed too. Like just waking up early, like I just feel like, I'm ahead, you know, like, I mean, I have control of my schedule and any time, like if I'm working late and I wake up at 11 or something, I'm just like, man, I'm, I just feel behind all day yeah, long. I'm catching absolutely. up. Um, brother, I want to ask you, do you have any specific YouTube accounts that you recommend for people? Let's say somebody who's kind of starting out and want to get into filmmaking or if not, no, no problem. Uh, other than yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I do think I do think yours is great. And I mean, like, you're definitely offering a ton of great insight and value. I mean, obviously more on the post color side. Um, but I let me think. I mean, I guess. Oh, like Potato Jet. Um, I've been watching his stuff. He's super. Gina's super awesome. Super entertaining and really informative. So he's rad. And then, you know, like Peter McKinnon is, is great for so photography good. and really, yeah. really entertaining personality. Like, he's sort of a guide for me where... I'll watch any of his videos, even if it's on a thing that I sort of quote unquote know about, because I know it's going to be entertaining. So it doesn't matter if he's doing like a photo editing thing or some little contest or reviewing, you know, hiring people online to edit his footage, you know, it's going to be a fun and entertaining video. And so that's sort of like my barometer for like the content I want to put out. I want to basically get to the level where it's like, it doesn't matter what the video is about, but it, it's entertaining enough to get people to be like, Oh, I, I want to watch it. You know what I mean? No matter what. So that's, he's the, he's the, the sort of like guide or the, the template for that. No. Um, after that, I don't know. I poke around a ton. I've been watching a ton of coffee. Uh, this guy, James Hoffman, I've been watching coffee tutorials from him. So that's what's been occupying my, uh, my YouTube space lately. Dude, you're so crazy with that. So it's like, so what's the deal? Like, do you hate Starbucks because you're just such a, Coffee I hate Starbucks because it's horrible coffee. Okay. So I'll start yeah. there. Uh, no, so like, I you know, my whole demeanor is like, if I get into something, I get into it. You I know love what it. I mean? Like, and I dive deep into all things, and I'll just become obsessed about stuff for a while. Anywhere from, I mean, if I get into something, it it won't be any shorter than like six months. But sometimes six months, like a couple years. You like know what I mean? Picking out a lens. And just going yeah, hard. Yeah, out of lens, which has been my <laughs> my obsession. And it's like the best and worst thing. Because it's like, that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. So I'm like, it's like 1130. And I'm like watching like different comparisons of lens at different. I'm like, okay. What's the difference at F4? Yep. What's the difference when we're at T2.8? What about an 85 and an 80? Like that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, hours on end. So that's like amazing yet horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just sort of become obsessed with things. And with coffee, it's like, I don't know. It's just. I, I like it for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's a, a good, it's an, it's a tasty beverage, uh, but I only started drinking it recently. I've only started drinking coffee for the past three years, but just like I, my brain is super sciencey, so like the science and the almost chemistry on like how you can brew a perfect cup is fascinating to me, and so I like digging into that science background and like you know, literally being like you're weighing 0.1 of a gram and you're like changing temperature and like learning how different things affect different things. It's all really fascinating and sort of like this, it's a little bit of a black box magic trick with science. And so that keeps me entertained to like keep messing with it. And then you have a reward. It tastes good. You, you get a great cup of coffee at the end. So Dude, it's been entertaining. You're a obsessive. That's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. That's the bottom line is I'm basically obsessive. And so that my my fun time is obsessing over coffee. My work time is obsessing over lenses right now, and yeah. learning how to color really because it's like a big thing I'm trying to learn more about. I've I've always loved that process. Like, you know, I've colored a you know for a number of years. My 
real jobs, uh, you know, like aside from doing fun little things, it's like we're in a post house, we're doing the color session with the colors. Right. And I love that process of sitting with them, figuring out the look, you know, tuning my eye to like what I want to do and how I want the, the piece to be represented. Um, and so I'm really excited to get my hands off it and on it now, especially with this camera, you know, with, with having the R3D files and all the dynamic range that the camera offers. Like I'm so just pumped to like dig in and figure out how me myself can make my footage look its absolute best. So that's really exciting for me right now. Dude, it is so crazy. Like once you deep dive and you realize what can and can't be done, it's just literally the sky's the limit. Like yesterday I'm working on a music video and, and I think it's just not shot the best, you know, mm -hmm. to what they're looking for. And it's shot with Alexa Amira, right? So I'm, or uh, yeah, Ari Amira. So like it's out there. Like, I mean, the quality is there. I know that the camera can back it up. So I'm going through the footage and I'm telling my wife that, you know, they're looking for that, you know, music video look from Billie Eilish's, uh, I can't like it escapes my mind, but where she's like uh, crying with like black tears. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of that one. Don't yeah, cry, I don't or I don't know some some random like you know. So anyway, so that that video. So like I pulled the stills from it, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, see, this is a completely different setup, like lighting setup. Like they actually lit it. Like they lit the background, the cove, to make it pure pristine white, and it's even. Like there, somebody, a DP is walking around, you know, metering it and going, okay, yeah. five, six here, five, six here. Like we're good. Like let, now light her on this. We're even. And then you bring it into post, and boom, you do like a couple of things, and you're there. Whereas I'm looking at it, and it's like by nature, I am a troubleshooter. And that's one thing that I said in Lift Gamma Game Gain Forum, and like literally everybody put a bounty on me. They were like literally just like wipe wipe them out, like from the surface of this planet. Because I I just said, hey, being a colorist is like being a troubleshooter. You're troubleshooting, like you're looking yeah. at something, and what are you gonna do? Like that little tinkering to like make it better or whatever. And they were just like, oh, it's much more than that. Blah blah blah. I'm like, Jesus, man. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways. So that's my thing. So like, I'm looking at it and my wife is like, well, how are you going to do it? Because the background is not lit at all. So it's like, you know, you work on her arm and all of a sudden the background is this gray and I got to yeah. make it look white to that Billie Eilish's like music video that they're going for. And then I just keep pushing and pulling, pushing and pulling. And like, I keep having these breakthroughs. And then finally I just go, I'll walk over to my wife and I'm like, this might be one of the best projects I've worked on only because the reward is so great because when you go from before to after you're like, what the F just happened? And it's because, you know, knowing how far you can push something. Now, if it was shot on like Sony a6500 8 bit, forget about it. So, I mean, yeah. it's just so much fun, dude. Like I'm, I'm getting like, I'm, I'm no, totally, out but about I mean, it. That's, that's a part of the appeal with anything, like figuring out how to achieve that thing that you want. And I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, it's the same kind of, deep dive into not to bring it back to this coffee thing but like figuring out how to like nuance to like get the best yes. thing it's like you're doing the exact same thing with color it's like and and the reward is like you have this footage that's sort of lackluster and not right and you're like oh i, I know i can do this and it's that challenge of like right. working through and using every bit of your experience because i'm sure you like leaned on every yes. random problem you had to fix in the past you'd be like oh yes. this little thing might work or this little thing might work and you might have one new idea you combine ideas yeah and then you say at the end it's like not only do you have gorgeous footage but you feel rewarded because you're like oh like i did i like yep. I brought this together you know what i mean and it's like you have a gorgeous image to speak for it so that's that's a huge part of the drive in in any creative endeavor i think 100 brother let's talk about you know dga and Somebody asked, like, what kind of perks does he get? Like, are there any perks? Uh, healthcare is the biggest perk. That's of huge. Being in the DGA, you know, uh, they have, like, and honestly, like, this is a bit foreign to me. Like, I'm from Canada originally, so it's like the idea that you don't have healthcare and then also need to sort of procure healthcare from somewhere is a whole new thing for me. But uh, you know, being in the DGA, you have to obviously work enough to make your healthcare minimums, but they really take care of their members. It's really relatively small. Like there's not that many active members in the DGA. There's just not that many directors in comparison to like SAG or uh, even IATSE, you know, like even with right. the locals, like, you know, local 600, which is like camera department, right. thousands and thousands of members. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I saw somewhere that the DGA 
puts in like 200 new members a year. It's like, it's like nothing, not even one a day. You so know what I mean? That's really cool then to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, so, so super excited uh, to be in and just been able to make my days every year and, and keep healthcare. Uh, there's obviously like this, you know, this stamp of approval of like, oh, like I am officially a director. It's not like I make stuff and I tell people like right. I have the card that say I am in that union. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that is my employment. That is my job. Uh, so there's sort of like, it was definitely like a milestone to achieve. Like I wanted 100. to get in for a long time. So obviously getting in, you're like, oh, it's like, you know, you sort of reach some kind of a level. Um, yeah. And then just obviously being available to do union work is, is, is great. There's drawbacks because you can't do non-union work, but. Is that you know, true? Sort of, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can't, I can't direct a non-union broadcast commercial for sure. Huh. You know what I mean? And I've said no before. It's just like, that's just the way it is. Right. And so it, they don't preside like there's ways to do things like there's low budget categories. You can do music videos. You can do some digital content is sort of like they're figuring out what the digital content uh, like protocol is because right. they're going to sort of uh, preside over that. But uh, they're not quite doing that yet. So it's sort of like a little bit of the Wild West right now. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's helpful. Cause if it's like an official real shoot, it should be union. You should get your days. And yes. so it definitely is helpful. So let me ask you this between personally, like between, you know, directing long form or commercials, documentaries, like what drives you? What's one thing that, you know, you keep leaning back to that I want to direct this kind I, of stuff. I mean, the goal has always been long form narrative. So the goal has always been a feature, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, and that, but it's like, it's a, it, it's a challenge in the sense of like, you know, for me, it's like, I, I built my career on short form, which I love doing. And it's not to say like, oh, the goal is long form. I don't like right. doing short form, but that's my job. Right, right. I love short form. I love the commercial work. I love music videos. Um, and I love all this new content that people are able to put out, but it's always been long form. You know what I mean? And so my career uh, is in a good place as far as like working, but all my spare time that I have that I put into my career is is going to writing, developing script ideas, developing relationships in sort of the narrative feature yeah. world, because uh, that's where I want my career to go. So that's kind of been the main the main focus for me. Dude, that's exciting. I want to. So let's just then lead like jump into what's your genre? Like what kind of movies or shows do you like? That, that's, it's a great question. And so I my answer is a bit pragmatic. I mean, I think that. Like, because my, my reel is so, like, colorful, full of humor. I have a lot of stuff with, like, these sort of strong female yet humorous characters. You know, because, like, even with the stuff I did with Katy Perry, a, a bunch of it was narrative. Like, I directed the, the screen content for her California Dreams world tour. And it was essentially a short film that played throughout the entire content and told the narrative story of, like, how she worked at this butcher with this mean butcher and she always dreamed of opening a bakery and she was in love with this baker's boy. There was a whole like short film that played. That's awesome. um, and so it's, it's always been like telling these narrative stories have always been sort of like the, the focus for me. And I can't remember where I was going with that story. I just want to, okay. So let's just jump into working for E like, is it yeah. one, is it something that, you know, you kind of fell into something that you wanted to do and something that you're going to be doing for a while? I mean, I'll do the glam bot for as long as they'll have me. For it's sure. cool, right? You know what I mean? Like, I love the technology. I love I love interacting with all the talent and celebrities. I love the content that we make with it. I, I, I will do it forever. Um, the reason, the way I got into it was one of the uh, producers with E, this guy, Eddie Delbridge, I'd worked with him early in my career with Miley Cyrus, uh, we directed a, her performance on the Teen Choice Awards based off those like music videos or like dance videos we did early in my career. We had the opportunity to uh, direct her stage performance for the Teen Choice Awards. Eddie Delbridge was producing that segment. So I met him back in 2008. We stayed in touch. And then in 2016, they were looking for a director to direct this thing called The Glambot. And so he was like, by that point, you know, I had some sort of high level talent on my reel. I had a bunch of dance stuff on my reel and I had beauty stuff on my reel. And he was like looking for someone that knew beauty, you know, knew, knew they could talk to and direct like, you know, A-list talent and was familiar with like choreography and movement. And he was kind of like, oh, like Cole sort of checks all those boxes. So he asked me to come in. I met the other execs and everybody at E 
we had a good vibe uh, and they brought me on. This is in 2016. So I, you know, I've been doing it for like, I guess this would be my fifth year. I don't know what's happening with the Emmys this year, right. to be honest. And so, you know, we'll see what happens, but it, it's my fifth year going into it. And I think, you know, it's really been because of like all of the extra content I'm putting out on social, uh, it's sort of become this thing. And I think that that's helped sustain it. And I think they're really excited about it. I'm yeah. obviously really excited about it. So yeah, I will, I will do that forever as long as I can. Dude, that's so cool. And I'm sure it gets easier, right? Because now people know you and you just go there and oh, yeah. you're like, Hey, you know. it gets a lot. It's definitely gets a lot easier. And I think a lot of it is because people have seen like the behind the scenes and people have seen the footage online, like even the talent. So like they're familiar with it. They kind of know what the deal is. Yeah. They kind of want to do it because, you know, you got to think too, like all of talent on red carpets, like they want cool content too. And like, yes. oh, like, yeah, over the shoulder pose in the red carpet is yep. nice. Little interview with Ryan Seacrest is nice. But like to have this cool, dynamic, slow-mo, extra yep. elevated, glamorous thing uh, is appealing for someone who is into having content. And, and right. most celebrities and talent are these days. So they want it. I want to shoot it. They know what it is. It all sort of makes it all It's just a win-win. Um, yeah. Let's talk about this. So so it seems like you're self-taught. You didn't did you go to film school? I did not. All self-taught. So the question then then just try to answer it uh as best as you can. But somebody asks, how do you network outside of film school? First of all, what's your thoughts on I feel like because film school is becoming such a thing of the past that their only push, their only card in hand right now is that what about networking? What about yeah. meeting the right people? So one, what's your thought on that? Thoughts on that? And then two, how do you network outside of film school? So, um, yeah, I, I think that the networking thing is real. You know what I mean? Uh, and like a lot of my connections and jobs and, and opportunities have come through my own network that I've sort of finagled through outside of film school. But film school is like a great way where you can instantly meet people who are there willing to help. They want to find new talent. They're excited about developing, you know, uh, younger talent and sort of having people reach their potential, which is a thing that I'm excited about now, too. Like, that's why I like working with Mark. Like, I like the idea that I can share my knowledge and sort of like help other people get to where they are. And I'm sure there's a lot of rewarding aspects of that with you, with your masterclass and showing people like what they can achieve is like, is so much more rewarding than like just getting another job or just getting a check or whatever. Like there's this, this mentorship teaching part that is really appealing. So inside the film school system, there's people like that that are readily available that want to help. So that you're not going to find that outside of film school, save for in the situation where like with Mark, where you have some talent and then you end up finding someone and you can build a relationship on that. How to do that outside of film school is a little bit anybody's guess. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I think a large part of that is like going and, and making as much content as you can, yeah. getting as good as you can, shooting as much as you can. And in that, you meet people. You essentially, like, the more you get out there and the more you make work, like, work procures more work. So the more you do, the more people you meet, the more people you meet, maybe one of them might connect with you. You do a thing with them. You, they bring other people in. You meet them. So it's like, the more you're doing stuff with other people, the more you just inevitably meet people. And if you're a hard worker and uh, an enjoyable person, uh, people will want to work with you and they'll want to have you around and you'll get opportunities. Uh, so that's sort of like how I, I base my networking, like be nice and, and work hard. And that honestly will go a long way. You know what I mean? No, it's the truth, bro. Like seriously, it just, when I'm building a relationship with, with a client, um, I'm, pretty like in the beginning, I'm just super lenient. I'm just like, okay, this is what it is. I will present them the contract. Like usually as a freelancer, it's good to be, you know, safe. So which is pay 50% upfront 50 at the end of the project. So then that way that is clear, like, boom, like, boom, this is what needs to happen. The rest will just make it work. Even like yeah. I said, I mean, going back to that example, when I'm working on that music video yesterday, like my, my wife is like, well, why don't you reach out to them and give them, you know, uh, realistic expectations? And I'm like, never in my entire career I've ever done that with a client. I'm always like, if that's what they want, that's what they're going to get. How yeah. are they going to get that? 
well, that's what's exciting. Let's figure it out. Like, let me put in the work and see what I can do. And even if I get 80% there, that was better than just telling them, you know, hey, you did this, 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 this wrong, you know, and you shouldn't have done that. So I think like the, this kind of mindset and that attitude goes a very long way. And when you put it so simply, like, you know, just, you know, be nice and be easy to work with is not easy. You know, it, it's like difficult for people because a lot of people go in with like me, me, me attitude. And yeah. I keep telling people that, please, like, understand that. Like, you know, you and I both probably deal with that situation. Like so many times people will DM and just be like, hey, Kazi, here's some footage. Can you grade it? And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, what? Or, or yeah. they're like, hey, just finish this feature. Just finish this. Uh, you know, I'm going to need your feedback. Like, here's the link. Watch it. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, I'm about to have dinner with my family. But hey, screw you guys family, I'm going to go watch this feature right now because the dude asked me so nicely. So, yeah. you know, it just like those things are so important, right? I want to ask you before, you know, like our time is up, I want to ask you like your one favorite film growing up or something that actually made you, or, or I don't know if that was your story, but was there something that kind of made you that you want to do this for a living? Movie, show, anything? Yeah, I mean, I think it was... It was a combination of watching Tarantino's stuff, you know, like growing up in the 90s a little bit like I and it, it wasn't like I actually think it was Kill Bill after watching Pulp Fiction. Like that was like Pulp Fiction obviously is like yeah. one of my favorites and, and a huge influence on me. Of course, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a filmmaker that doesn't have that as an answer. So it feels 100. sort of cheap, but I'll explain why it sort of had an effect. Like, obviously, even back then, I was, like, into films, and I loved to watch films, and I always loved being captivated by a story and just being fully immersed in, like, what the filmmaker had. And I and I loved that experience. Loved going to movies, obviously, right? Right. The thing that struck me about Tarantino's work is that it was, it was the, his style, his style of filmmaking, but, but more so, like, my visceral response to watching his films. It was the first moment where I realized a filmmaker could make me like feel something in the pit of my stomach differently. Wow. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, I didn't know that that was possible. And like, that is the thing that I want to do. You know what I mean? Like wow. to have that kind of a visceral effect to an audience is like that, that can be a thing I strive to do for my entire life. You know what I mean? And like, maybe I get there with some people, maybe I don't, but it was like that, that reaction of walking out going like, oh, damn, like that film had had an effect on me and didn't like teach me anything or taught me a new life lesson about the world. Um, but it was like realizing that a film could have that type of effect. That was the thing that captivated me. So I think like, yeah, that that I, I guess it was I guess it was Kill Bill one. I remember walking wow. out of the movie theater being like, damn, like that was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I want to do that. Dude, you know? isn't, isn't that crazy? Like some of those movies, you watch it today and you're like, how did they pull that effect? Like what was going on? Like there's so many oh, movies yeah. that I just watched today and I'm just like, uh, it holds up. Like all these effects, like all these creative choices and things that they just went with, color choices or whatever, you know, uh, sound effects, it all holds up. It's just so good. Like somebody owned it. Somebody had a gut feel like, you know, in this case, Tarantino just had that feeling. He's like, I'm running with it. This section is going to be black and white. This section is going to be this. Let's just effing do it. Let's just go with it. And then you watch it and it inspired you so much that you were like, I want to do this for a living. You know? Yeah. Uh, it was Fincher for me. Fight Club all the way, dude. I was going oh, to I was going to school for IT, network engineering. So I'm going to school uh -huh. for that. I'm about two semesters away from graduating and I have this side job, like I'm a security guard. Like I'm just doing like, you know, like uh, three to 11 shift and it's pretty laid back, chill. After five o'clock, I close the doors and there's nothing going on. I'm 18, 17, 18 and I'm just like chilling. I have my laptop and I have one DVD and it's Fight Club. So I put it on in my laptop and I watch it and I do my round and I come back and I watch it and I watch it like 140 times. Like I watch it every day yeah. and I yeah. watch it, watch it, watch it to the point where I go on all my social media platforms and I change my name to Tyler. Like I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed, I'm owning yeah. it. My wife at the time, my girlfriend sees me like in school and we start going out and 
she just called me Tyler because I just never told her my real name. That's amazing. And it went on for days and then until like one of my friends, she was like, oh, where's Tyler? And he's like, uh, asked my friend and he, uh, he was like, Tyler who? And she was like, Tyler is the guy who works with you. And he, they were like, Kazi? And she was yeah. like, what? You know? <laughs> so I was like, Fincher, dude, all the way, like seven, like Gone Girl, every single thing that he does, I feel like it's so intense. And yeah. it, just as as a person, I'm so intense. So I feel like there's some connection there. Even like Mindhunter, when I watch it, I'm like, man, I feel the intensity in my bones. Like the music yeah. just give me the freaking goosebumps. Um, so yeah, yeah, Seven man. had a huge effect on me too. Like when when the ending came around, I was like so blown away at that was a film that made me realizing realize the importance of like the screenplay and script writing. You know what I mean? Like that, I was like, oh, like that thing was like insanely crafted from the first word on the page you know and so that was a thing that that film was just like oh screenwriting is a thing that you'll never fully accomplish and understand so you should try working at that now you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah dude i mean it's like and then talk about nolan nolan is yeah. one of those directors that makes me want to just not do this because he's so yeah, good yeah. at it like, yeah. it, it's so weird. Like, when I see Tarantino, when I see Fincher, I'm like, okay, like, let's write something on this piece of paper and let's go shoot it and, like, try to do something similar. But I get inspired to do something similar. But when I see Nolan, I'm like, dude, where is your brain at? Like, what is going on? That's the most frustrating <laughs> thing. It, ha it It's rare. It, it happens, you know? Where you see something so good, it makes you want to give up. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, there's no point. You know what I mean? And like, it's the worst because it's just like this really bad way of thinking about things. But it happens so often. You like read something, you see something, you're like, damn it! Like this is just so good, it's discouraging. <laughs> you Dude, know what I mean? no, it's the truth. And this is why I always tell people that guys, if you actually want to commit to something and do something. Like learn a little bit about it, so at least you know what you're doing. But that's it. Close the book. Go apply it. Like, you know, if you want to learn color grading, right? Sure. Start with my channel, free content, all great. Watch the color grading basic series. Watch a couple of tutorials. Stop it. Just, just, you know, get out of YouTube. Go now, apply it, apply it, apply yeah. it. Because it's like, once you get lost, because the thing is, it took me five years to start my YouTube channel because I'll just go and look at all these epic MKBHD and like, you know, like all these Peter McKinnon, all these guys and how they were putting out content. And I'm like like some of them MKB, like they don't even call themselves. They're not even like filmmakers. They're like yeah. reviewers and their stuff yeah. is so good that I'm like me as a filmmaker can't produce that stuff. So then what is the point of my existence? Like I shouldn't yeah. be doing this, you know? So it took me so long until I got to a point where I said, you know what? That's it, man. Like these voices got to go. Like just stop. Let's just figure out your own path. If you fail, if you suck, well, nobody knows about that you exist on YouTube anyways. Who cares? Like, if you fail yeah. miserably, it doesn't matter because nobody knows you, bro. Yeah, so like, no one saw you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Totally. All right, brother, I, I want you to, you know, with all your clout, like, give us some, you know, final advice, like, just words of wisdom. Like, you know, what, what can people do? Because, like, one thing that I keep pushing, but it's like a dad keep telling, you know, their kids what to do, and they just they tune it out. But, like, I want you to... Talk about like, you know, just just sum it up with like why it's so important in uh, 2020 and like even during this pandemic, like why is it so important to be on social media and get the word out, like reach out to people and all these things like what has this, you know, social medium like has done for you and how can people best use it to take advantage of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that so my transition to thinking about social differently happened in 2017. And I sort of like came, it was like, I use it for fun and I'd post work here and there. Um, but I sort of, I had this sort of uh, epiphany that I was like, I realized that social in the future wasn't going to go away. I was like, we're only going to be more on this thing, right? And I was kind of like, okay, 2017, I was working, I was already doing the glam bot. I, 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 you know, I'm working director in the DGA. I was like, I don't think I need to be on social to get work. You know what I mean? But I was like, let me look at what the world's going to be like five years from now. I was like, oh, it's only going to be more on social. We're only going to be distributing our own content ourselves. And I was like, I could do that now 
or I could do it in five years. Like once people have already been doing it, like I already felt behind the curve a little bit in 2017, but I was like, well, if I start in five years, I'm going to be only further behind the curve. So I was like, let's look at this differently from, from now. So from 2017, I started looking at social like work. I make a schedule. I, I slot out time to make content. This is a facet of my career now because I realized too, I was like, you know, we, I, I, a website, like when I want to find out about someone, I don't Google them. I just go to their Instagram. You yes, know what I mean? Like yes. even actors that have like prolific IMDB pages, I'll go to their Instagram and be like, what, what are they like on social? Like, what are people saying? What are people thinking? I love it. I'll look at their IMDB to see their thing, but like, I'll usually go to Instagram first. You know what I mean? And so that realization was like, all right, we're, we're only moving in that direction now. And this is 2017. And so I think that same thing applies today, but even more so. Like we actually can't network in person. We can't go to events. We yes. can't go to screenings. We can't go to in-person classes and lessons Oof. and meet. All that stuff is over. So like we're forced to do online training, tutorials, you know, uh, networking online. And, and I think the thing that people sort of overlook is that you have control over your distribution and your network a hundred percent. It's like it literally in the palm of your hands, in your phone, right. where that never existed before. Like I couldn't connect with anybody, you know, 10 years ago, unless I went to some networking event and that person happened to be there. Right. Yes, so it's like, yes. you have all this opportunity and, and the pandemic is shifting it at a, at a accelerated rate to be more on digital, more on social. So the time is now for two reasons. One, because there's no other option. And, and two, you in theory have time now because like a lot of things are not happening. I know for, for me and my career as a director is like, it came to a halt and during the pandemic, I can't right. direct a music video with 30 people right now. Like, there's some stuff starting to happen now and I'm starting to do a little bit of work now, but for many, many years, not years, months, right. <laughs> for many, many months, nothing, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, you know, that's also a reason why I've been just putting in more time with YouTube and trying to just create more traction on social because this is the time to do it. So I think it's like, we're moving in this direction. You're better suited to just start now and take control of it and start making content. Just go out and shoot, just go out and edit, just go out and color stuff. Just start doing things and post it. All right, last three questions. What did you think of my webinar? Dude, it was great. I literally just watched it like before <laughs> the whole hour uh, before <laughs> this live. I watched it and it was fantastic. I got so annoyed because like I said, I don't have my computer. I was like, I want to get open some clips yes. and start playing. And I was like, I can't right now. But it was it was awesome. And dude, I watched a ton of your stuff and like I'm learning a ton a ton of I'm things. Flattered, so dude. it's this great. Is amazing. Um, how's the G wagon? Is it worth it? Oh yeah. The G wagon's the best. Yeah. So I have this two door, uh, vintage G wagon. I imported from Germany. Love the plates. Uh, it's a 1991, a diesel manual shift. Um, and I've built it out to be like this off-roading overlanding surf mobile. And so the, the this is the goal of the G wagon to be able to live remotely in the G wagon with my laptop and hit the road for three weeks to a month and write a screenplay. That's like the goal. Like go drive off to the Grand Canyon, go through Flagstaff, go up through Montana, camp, boondock, and write a screenplay. Like that's that's what I'm like building my life to be. Dude. And probably vlog about it too. Jesus, that's such a dream. We're just going to end it on that. Guys, <laughs> if there is half a percent of you out there that don't know Cole, you know, just literally on Instagram, type in Cole. He's going to pop up. He should be number one there. Brother, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. It was so great chatting. Um, I love all the stuff you're making and all the knowledge you're giving out for free. Uh, and and I'm stoked. So this is great. And I'm looking forward to you uh, sending me some footage from Komodo. I want to yeah, mess around with it. Yeah, as soon as I get my it. computer back, I was like, I feel bad. I was like, I told you I was going to send you stuff, but then I had to ship my computer off. And I was like, oh, I didn't upload a clip. And I was like, well, I can't now. So <laughs> I will get you something. Um, I shot some fun stuff with... Uh, a couple friends of mine out of sunset that's pretty gorgeous so yes. we'll see i'd love to see what you can do with it all right brother peace all right man peace guys thank you so much for joining us thanks ezra love your brother and um
like I said, you know, uh, you guys make the community. So I always appreciate, you know, asking questions and, and just kind of driving this as a, you know, two-way street. And I'm getting better at like going through the comments, although I would, you know, really just basically request you that let's just keep it more about the conversation that we're having. Like, you know, too many laughing emojis, too many by node or whatever. Like when that goes on here, it just kind of, you know, it, you know, it just like the messages get lost. Then I don't have the messages to go through. So like, let's just keep it professional. Let's just keep it fun. And, and it's a big, one big happy family. Let's keep it that way because we just want to help each other, right? Like, I mean, if you guys are listening to me, you're listening to me because you want some value out of it. So if people are just like messaging random stuff, then, you know, I can't get through and get to the meat and like ask proper questions to my guest or answer it for you guys. On that note, until next time, much love. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, subscribe to this channel, and I will see you in the next episode.